please pray with me. God of perfect love, God of perfect grace, we are not perfect, but we are perfectly loved by you. And you want so much for us to have the good things in life that flow from your perfect love. We need to draw near to that love, O oh Lord. And that takes conscious effort, conscious willingness to plant ourselves in you. And so may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer, either through us or in spite of us. Speak to us, thy people, we pray. Amen. Morning. Hope that you're having a good fall so far. The field that I drive past on the way to the church is reminding me that fall is certainly with us now. The corn is being harvested row by row in that field, and the stubble is replacing the stalks that grew extra tall this summer. There was so much rain this summer that it was hard not to grow things, amen? I see flowers in my garden that I, I'm pretty sure I don't remember planting. They must have popped up from seeds that I tried last year. When the conditions are right, life can be abundant. Yet, conditions for life are not right everywhere, right? And not necessarily where you think. The driest deserts in the world are not in Africa or the Middle East or in China, but in Antarctica. Antarctica gets less snow and rain in a typical year than the Sahara Desert. Can you imagine that? And there are places where there has been no snow or rain there for hundreds of thousands of years or perhaps even millions of years. Scientists go there to study why life on Mars is so hard to find. When we have what gives life, life is abundant. And when we don't have it, it's not. It's a simple story, right? Yet it's a story with life or death consequences. If we want life, then we must feed ourselves the things that give us life. And if we don't have those things, we die. The old saying goes, you are what you eat. If we keep eating things that affect our health, including my favorites, peanut butter and chocolate brownies and grits and bacon, thank you very much, Corky, then we can expect a less healthy life. If we keep eating things that give our bodies the best chance of being healthy, then we can expect a more healthy life, all things being equal. Pretty simple, right? Yeah, it's simple, but as we know, simple isn't always easy. I'm just starting to get back into more healthy eating and exercising after a very hard year. And I can feel the effects. I haven't taken care of my body in a, a godly way as much as I should. And it affects my spirit. John Wesley, the key founder of Methodism, was very aware of the connection between our spiritual life and our physical life. Wesley's study and practice the use of herbal medicines, a key part of his early ministries to the sick and the poor. You got that slide there, sir? Oh. Thank you. Wesley's interest 
And these cures set the stage for early Methodists building hospitals across the nation and around the world. Part of walking the talk of Methodism is caring for our bodies as God's creations. Healthy bodies, they're pretty easy to understand, even if we're not always doing what we should to walk the talk. But do we really understand the effects of our lifestyles on our spiritual lives? We can't escape being physical creations of God, and it's equally true that we can't escape being spiritual creations of God. If we try to take care of our bodies without taking care of our spirit, we aren't really the creations of God that God has meant us to be. But how do we do that? How do we feed both our spiritual being and our physical being in a godly way? The truth is that most, for most people, the combination of physical and spiritual holy living it just doesn't come naturally to us. And it's not so much the difference between ordering a chili dog or ordering a heart-healthy omelet. As it is, what's at the root of our desires. What we desire determines what grows in us. What we plant our lives in determines what comes out of us. Last Sunday, our reading from James, an early Christian leader, said that olives don't grow on fig trees and salt water doesn't come from a freshwater spring. What we plant ourselves in determines how we treat ourselves and others. This Sunday, our reading from James turns to why James has been using these simple comparisons to guide us as Christian disciples. James uses them because people who should have known better were not getting the Christian message. James can see that people in the early Christian community were paying lip service to a spiritual life, but had lives rooted in things other than the life-giving love of Jesus. And the fruits of that hypocrisy were not sweet. James notes in the opening of chapter 4 of his letter, and this is the language, what is the source of conflict among you? What is the source of your disputes? Don't they come from your cravings that are at war in your own lives? And our brother James, he nailed it. James saw the problem with claiming to be a Christian committed to peace but having a heart at war. A war of satisfying cravings that lead to hurtful and selfish actions. How many times have we heard sad stories of kids in schools being murdered because a child was jealous of another student's new jewel, jewelry or clothing? How many shootings in this nation and around the world, many more just this week, are tied to hearts that are at war, a war that turns people living, breathing creations of God into objects that stand between spiritually sick people's desires and their selfish satisfactions. And how many times, in ways both big and small, do we find our own hearts rooted in war and not in the peace that passes all understanding that comes only from God? 
only from God's river of life that flows from God through faith in Jesus Christ. How many times do we pray for the help of God's Holy Spirit only to find that we're asking for pure and holy water when our roots are stuck in the waters of our own desires, driven by our own fear and greed? You see, Christianity isn't simply a belief in God. Anyone can believe something. Anyone can claim to have an allegiance or follow a law, but Christianity is more than that. Christianity is a discipline, a willingness to allow God to uproot our lives and to let God replant us where God can feed our hearts with God's peace that flows from God's love for us in Jesus Christ. There's a temptation in our faith lives to think that wherever we are is where God has meant us to be planted. And unfortunately, many translations of our Bible reinforce this idea. Psalm 1 is translated often into English to describe a tree that someone has planted by life-giving streams. But our common English Bible translation reflects the original language of the Bible much more closely when it says the tree was not just planted there, but replanted. God gives us life, but God knows what will give us a complete life, a life that allows us to celebrate God both in our bodies and in our spirits. That kind of life requires a conscious, life-changing effort to move closer to the heart of God, closer to God's life-giving peace in Jesus Christ. This coming Saturday at the Meriden Public Library, I'll be leading the first peacemaking workshop in the city sponsored by our church. It's based on the book, The Anatomy of Peace, a book that's been used by the global leaders of the United Methodist Church to help them find a peaceful way forward for our church as they try to address questions of how diverse people around the world are included into Christian fellowship. I hope that our workshop helps people to learn how to have hearts that are at peace and not at war. The truth of the matter is that the United Methodist Church is very much still a work in progress in applying these peacemaking principles in our own affairs. You can read a book about peace, but if your heart is at war with others, then there will be no peace. You can go to church on Sunday and pray for peace, but if you're not ready to go home and make peace, to be the peace, then there will be no peace. If you're longing for the peace of God in your life, then you must allow yourself to be replanted from, by God away from the things that feed your hearts going to war with others and with God. You are what you eat. You are what you drink. If you eat the culture of death that is sold by the bucketful in this world, then your heart and soul will die. If you claim to love God and bring the passions of war with this person or that person, because you refuse to be replanted by God as a peacemaker in the image of Christ, 
then Christ is just a piece of jewelry that you can take on and off as you please, a passion of convenience. To be a Christian, we go down to the river to pray, down to the river that washes away our sins, down to the river that creates peace, abundance, and hope. To be a Christian, we practice eating Christ and drinking Christ every time that we have Holy Communion as a reminder that every moment of our lives, God has meant us to eat Christ and drink Christ through God's Holy Spirit to be replanted as God's church on earth. We are what we eat. We are what we drink. If we drink from the life of Christ, then Christ lives, and we have God's peace. If we drink from the world of death, then Christ dies in us, and we will have only a world of war. It's a simple idea. It's not easy to do. And it's why we need one another as Christian disciples to do this together as a people seeking to be replanted forever by the waters of Christ. Without this, we're just a hymn-singing social club. God has meant us to be far more than that. Go down to the river. The river of life. Our response is down to the river to pray, verse 5. <laughs> some problems with the slides today, and I can only blame myself. Really? Mm-hmm. We're going to do this first. All right. I know it's in the program differently. <laughs> I'd like to have a discipleship moment with you folks. I hope that the uh, message I brought you today is meaningful. As a church, we need to practice peace in everything that we do, in every interaction that we have as a church with one another, in our homes, on the streets, in our workplace. Jess, can you kick the slide one more time? In the back of our sanctuary, many of you picked up our rules for holy conversations. I want to emphasize how important these rules are for governing our interactions with one another. This list is not a magic bullet, but I will tell you this. Every meeting that we have used these rules as the foundation of the meeting and spoken them out loud and recalled them in the course of interacting with one another, God's peace is blessed that meeting. Didn't make us perfect. God's peace was there. Let's read them together, please. Every person is a child of God. Listen before speaking. Strive to understand from another's point of view. Strive to reflect accurately the views of others. Disagree without being disagreeable. Speak about issues. Do not defame people. 
Pray in silence or aloud before decisions. Let prayer interrupt your busyness. I pray that you use these tools as a beginning of peacemaking in your own lives and encourage people to come with yourself and other people to our peacemaking workshop this Saturday at 9 a.m. at the library. Being able to practice these disciplines begins to make us God's church. It is time now for the prayers of the people. A time when we lift up our joys and concerns, our hopes and sorrows. Uh, it's up here. It's okay. up here. I didn't see it there. Where is it? <laughs> it was on the pew. Today. Uh, and that has to do with our very first prayer. And that is for the Robert Moreau family. Um, Robert Moreau is the father of Charles Moreau and Sally Dow. And he passed away late Tuesday evening and was discovered and passed away Wednesday morning. So his funeral service was Friday. And so Sally is taking a sabbatical here this Sunday. So I thank the people who are helping me to fill in some of the gaps that Sally usually uh, fills in for us. And our hearts and prayers are with the Moreau family and everybody related to them at this their time of need. Uh, we also pray for Doris Aquino, an accountant seeking a job. She came into our church earlier this week, uh, and our prayers are with her. Our prayers also go out to the people in our community who have been leading us prayers in our prayer jar. Many of them are from our Christmas in the Village celebration, but many have come in since that time. And believe me, I didn't plan this one. The prayer is, may there be peace for all. And God's speaking to us today. God, sometimes I doubt you, but you show me you show me your miracles and all that you do. I hope that we really get what we need and the people that need you get you, even though you are in our hearts every day. I love you and thank you. A blessed prayer. When somebody prays, to our church, please don't let my father go. You've heard the prayers of the people, and I know that there are prayers in your hearts and on your minds. And let's pray them together now, please. Gracious God, you have heard the prayers of the people. Both shouts of faith and shouts of of grief. Lord, we need you in the joy and the grief of life. And we celebrate you being with us in this moment. Put our hearts where you need them to be. Fill them with the love and light and strength that we know that we crave if we have the courage to ask for it. Be with all your people on this earth, especially those 
who are struggling with the calamities of storms that have hit this world and have little left to hold on to except the clothes on their back. May their struggles remind us how much that we can help them through our Christian discipleship every day of our lives and in conscious mission to the world. Be with our families. Be with us. For we need your love and strength to bind us together. And we pray for all of these things in the blessed name of Jesus Christ our Lord who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Praise be that we have a God who is loving, generous, giving, and transforming, allowing us to be replanted by waters of grace. And to help God's church help the world to do this, we offer our tithes and offerings now to the honor and glory of God. So it's been a, a joyful service today, and I thank you for coming out and bringing God's light into a cloudy world. And it's our job to keep that light going out. And so we say together, our charge to keep. Here we go. Look at your life and see where you need to plant your heart, because it will shape the fruits of your life for the rest of your life. Plant your heart in Christ. Let it grow in Christian discipleship and bring forth the harvest of peace. And now, may the Lord of creation bless us and keep us. 
May the Lord of salvation shine God's face upon us and be gracious upon us. And may the Lord of transformation and hope lift up God's countenance, even on us, and grant us peace, now and forever. And may the people of God who work so hard to be God's church say, Amen!